While the world has come to a standstill, the diocese has not, as we welcome one of our own to the transitional diaconate. A number of clergy accept their new assignments and a major announcement from our Catholic schools. All this and more coming up next. Welcome to A View from the Top with Bishop Gregory Parks, Bishop of the Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is a candid and hopeful conversation on current events that affect our church, our community, and our country. Now, here's Bishop Parks and the General Manager of Spirit FM, John Morris. Good to see you again, Bishop. John, it's good to see you and to be with you again. As we always say, we have some good news. One of the things that I noticed the other day recently was uh, you did a Facebook Live post. You don't usually do a Facebook Live. Uh, you've, You've posted some things, but nothing live. How did that go? It went well, and you're correct. This was actually the only the second Facebook Live that I've done. A number of weeks ago, I, I got on at noon and prayed the Our Father as Pope Francis had right. asked us to do on that particular occasion, and I believe we also did the Angelus. But this past Monday, I did a Facebook Live on the subject of hope and the virtue of hope, because I felt it was something that could be a very relevant message, particularly at this time when when there's many people that are you know, struggling and facing even despair. For those that don't follow on Facebook, and there's a few, give us a quick synopsis of what really hope is and that gift. Well, there's two different ways that you can look at hope, and I talked about a, a more secular definition of anticipating something good happening. That could be a, a very secular definition of I hope. hope Santa Claus comes. <laughs> but then the, uh, the other definition, of course, would be a, more of a theological or spiritual definition. Hope is one of the theological virtues along with faith and with love or charity. So you have faith, hope, and love. And those are given to us by God, and it's a virtue which is given to us in which we anticipate or it disposes us to desire uh, eternal happiness as our end with God. So it's a, a gift. It's something that's given to us. We can't earn it, but we can certainly ask for it, and we can pray for it in our lives if we feel that we're lacking in hope. Well, and that's what the world needs today, and, and that's a key word that I'm seeing really all over, and, and we've incorporated that not going to say that we took off with it, but we've had Pinellas Hope yeah. for a long time, and now we've got, as we talked about in our last program, Hillsboro Hope, but hope is certainly alive. And I also shared uh, a quote from our Holy Father, Pope Francis's homily at the Easter Vigil. Our Holy Father spoke about the fact that we have a now a right to hope because of the Lord's resurrection, you know, that uh, even beyond the, the darkness and the, the gloom of Good Friday, because of Easter Sunday, because of the resurrection, that that gives us hope for the future and for our eternity. So I thought that was a, a great insight at a time, again, when many people are lacking hope about the future. And as we look to the future, some good news coming out of South Florida. One of our seminarians will be, or uh, when you hear this, will probably be ordained a transitional deacon. He sure will. That would be um, Israel or Izzy, as he's known more commonly. Hernandez is one of our seminarians, and he'll be ordained a deacon in the coming days. I want to wish him all the best. He's a a wonderful guy, very spiritual, and has grown and matured during his time in seminary. Unfortunately, no one's really going to be able to attend the ordination. It's going to be held at the seminary chapel in Boynton Beach, 
but because they're on lockdown right now because of the virus, uh, not even their parents or family mm. members, uh, priests, uh, vocation directors, none of those will be able to be in attendance, but it will be live streamed. So I'm looking forward, like many other people, to participating that way. But uh, certainly wish uh, Izzy, soon to be Deacon Izzy, (laughs) God's blessings and all the best. And look forward, hopefully, to ordaining him a priest next year. You know, he interned at Spirit FM for a time. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I've known him from the parish as well. Well, John, I'm sure you uh, played a role in his formation then and uh, prepped him, who knows, maybe for a future doing some some radio ministry. Well, you never know. Well, there, speaking of that, uh, we've gotten some new assignments for some, many of our pastors, and, and uh, not so many pastors, but some of our priests and, and uh, guys that are parochial vicars and so forth moving around. Can you share some of that? I sure can. It's uh, once again that time of year when the the list of new assignments goes out and is publicized. And uh, as I often say, John, this is when I wear my bulletproof vest because is it difficult? But, uh, well, sometimes people aren't happy. You know that you're you're made the decision to move their priest who they love very very much, and uh, and they're not looking forward to uh, to having him not there. But for the most part, people understand that this is a very normal part of priesthood. Is that we serve in an assignment for a period of time, usually years, but eventually we may be asked and probably can expect to be asked to take a different assignment, either because of need or to share with your listeners, sometimes it's the priest that actually requests or asks for a new assignment. Maybe he feels he has done what he can do at a particular parish and maybe needs some uh, new challenges uh, just to keep him fresh in his life and in his ministry. So as you said, those were all just announced. Most of them take effect July 1st. Uh, However, for our newly ordained priests, those will take effect August 15th, which is the date of their ordination to the priesthood. And that would be Deacon Bertrand and Connor Penn and Drew Woodkey. That's correct. Soon to be three new priests for the Diocese of St. Petersburg, and and what a joy that'll be to ordain them. And that's on a special day as well. That date wasn't just picked randomly. No. uh, Our listeners may recall that August 15th is the Solemnity of the Assumption of Mary, of our Blessed Mother, and this year, it seems like almost in a providential sense, that falls on a Saturday, which is the day we would normally ordain priests at our cathedral. So it will be on the uh, the solemnity of our Blessed Mother. Very appropriate day for, for somebody to be ordained a priest because of the close connection with uh, Mary saying yes to God's will and a priest saying yes to his call uh, to serve God in the priesthood. So uh, it's one of the reasons many of our priests, I think all of our priests, really have a special devotion to, to Mary uh, is because of that close connection with doing God's will. If you're wondering if it's one of your priests from your parish, you can go to the diocesan website at dosb.org and uh, look for that list. There's a complete list on there, I believe. And uh, also you can check out the the diocesan Facebook page if you want to go back and see Bishop Parks' explanation of hope, the complete explanation. That is also on the Facebook page as well. Uh, going back to the assignments, how many parishes did you serve in before you became a bishop, one or two? 
actually just two as a priest. I actually had three assignments. My first year as a priest was spent in Rome finishing my studies there. So technically, I was assigned to studies at the North American College in Rome. But then when I returned to the Diocese of Orlando, I was assigned to Holy Family Parish in South Orlando, and then eventually as founding pastor of Corpus Christi Parish in Celebration. So really just had those three assignments, really two parish assignments before becoming bishop in 2012. It's difficult to move. Uh, did you find it difficult anyway, or what did you? Were you kind of excited about it? I would say both. It's it's usually mixed emotions. You know, you as a priest, you you become attached to people and to a parish, and people are always very kind and friendly and affirming, and uh, you get to know them and their families through good times and bad times, and because you you form those connections with them, both spiritual as well as emotional, relational, it can be difficult to leave. But again. As priests, this is something we're aware of uh, when we're ordained is that we're not going to be in the same parish for 30 years or 40 years. In the past, that was the case sometimes, but uh, it's not anymore. So while I had two a parish assignments before I became a bishop, I'm now on my third diocese mm-hmm. <laughs> as a bishop. Well, I was in Orlando and then Bishop of Pensacola, Tallahassee, and now, of course, Bishop of our diocese here in St. Petersburg. So I've had to move as a bishop as well. I would assume it's kind of the same emotions moving as a bishop to a new place, maybe a different level, I guess. It is. You don't, as a bishop, maybe you don't form the personal connections or friendships because, you know, you have the whole diocese that you serve and you're not in a a particular parish every single weekend. So you don't get to know people at a a very personal level in that way. But I would say this, uh, one of the different things as a bishop is your relationship with your priests because you do get to know them very well. And so that's hard to leave them. You know, although I have kept in touch, like in my previous diocese, kept in touch with some of the priests up there that I seem to have a a connection with or shared interests and will text or talk, that kind of thing. It is is hard, but uh, again, this is part of life, is that we, in obedience, accept when we're asked to make a change and, and trust that it'll be good for us as well as for God's people. One of God's great gifts to us is the electronic communication. And over the last 30 years, I'll say, the world has been connected closer to the Holy Father. And with our local bishops, we've had Bishop Favalora, Bishop Lynch, even at the tail end of Bishop Larkin's time here, uh, all involved with our radio station as a, as a way so that the, the listeners can kind of get to know our bishops better. And you've really, you're in a whole new era because we didn't have a lot of the video, even mm-hmm. going back to, to Bishop Lynch, we didn't do a lot of video then. It was just sort of emerging. And now it's, it's really taken off. So the people, you may not know them, but they certainly love you. <laughs> and I, thank you, John, for saying that. And I, I do very much sense that from the people of our diocese, and I'm very grateful for their for their love and for their prayers and, and support, particularly during <laughs> these challenging and difficult times. Uh, but you're right. I mean, technology has changed so much. And while we used to rely a lot on print media and maybe even a bishop only communicated with the people through maybe an article in a diocesan newspaper or something of that nature, or a letter in the bulletin. Now we have the social media that we can use and video capability, which I think is just going to continue to increase. And uh, you know, one of the blessings maybe of this time of the the virus is the priests and and bishops have utilized social media a lot more to stay connected with people. And for some of us, we've had to learn how to do it. So I think that's a a positive thing that hopefully will continue as we go forward. I'm going to go back a couple of weeks. How difficult was it 
for Easter Sunday to keep it at 30 minutes for the Fox broadcast. <laughs> well, as our listeners may or may not know, uh, the local Fox station 13 gave us 30 minutes to celebrate Easter Sunday Mass, which, as you know, takes usually at least an hour and maybe even more with some extra things. So right. we really had to, and it was done live. It wasn't recorded. So, uh, But, you know, the Holy Spirit was there. It definitely forced me to keep my homily short, which I'm sure many people appreciated as well. <laughs> but uh, we actually ended like almost right on the because it was a hard end to the broadcast, and I think there was an infomercial, John, coming on after me. And since they paid for that time sure. and we didn't, they had to uh, cut our that. time short. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was it was perfect. I received personally a number of people tell me that they watched it, and it was nice to see it on the big screen. Yeah, I, I've gotten some letters and emails from uh, some from some of the faithful who saw it. And uh, in fact, uh, uh, my one of the nurses that I see on a somewhat regular basis said that she she saw it as well on TV. I don't even think she's Catholic, but she happened to catch it on TV and was appreciative for nice. that. Nice. Do you think we'll be doing that in the future? Well, you know, we do have a mass, which is on Sunday morning, uh, that's broadcast uh, on the local cable station here, but it's not from our diocese. It's produced, uh, recorded down in Venice Diocese, but it is broadcast here. So I think that there will be the opportunity on occasion to maybe look to do another mass, maybe at Christmas time or Easter again, if we can have one of the stations give us that time to do it. It can be very, very effective. Speaking of worship, have there been talks with your fellow priests, with the West Wing office, I'll say, about when we might get back to worshiping at our parishes, even even if it's alphabetized, the A through C's come this Sunday and the D's through M's come the next Sunday or something? <laughs> well, that's the big question, isn't it? John? It is. It is. <laughs> and to answer your question, uh, yes, there have been discussions and conversations. The bishops of the state of Florida, we have a, a weekly call with each other, which we're doing now by Zoom. So some of our listeners may be more familiar with Zoom now that we've been right. using it. And we do raise that issue at our meetings each week. And then locally here in our own diocese, of course, I speak with priests about it and just recently spoke with our what we call our College of Consultors, which is a group of seven priests who consult or collaborate with the bishop on important issues in the diocese. Haven't made any decisions. I was just interested in hearing what they had to say and what they were hearing from their people. I don't think there's any doubt that our people are hungering to receive the Eucharist and not just to receive the Eucharist, but to come back together as a faith community, because that's an important aspect of life as well. The overriding factor, though, has to be safety, because we don't want to be part of the problem. We want to be part of the solution with helping people to stay healthy and not to get the virus. So we monitor what the local officials are saying, local ordinances and guidelines, that from the the U.S. government and um, the doctors and so forth. But we have to to do something that's smart, that makes sense. So uh, no decision has been made yet. I think we're probably going to be waiting at least another couple weeks to see what happens after the current stay-at-home order expires, to see whether there is some way that we can begin to gather publicly either to distribute communion or to celebrate Mass in a setting which would respect distancing and the other guidelines that were given. So let's say I'll take a parish. I'll stay out of our diocese because you're familiar with North Florida. But let's say you're in Franklin County, very rural area. Maybe there's been two cases in the whole county. There might be one parish in the county. Does the bishop have the green light to tell the 
the pastor, okay, in that county, you can celebrate Mass. Well, he could certainly do that and would have the power to do that. But the question would be, would, would that be the right thing to do? And the reason that I, I say that is, I, I think as bishops, we, we're bishop of a whole diocese. And in our diocese, we, we have five different counties. And as you mentioned, two of those, for example, uh, Citrus County has, less, has had less than 100 cases. The same with Hernando. Uh, Pasco's had a couple hundred cases. Of course, uh, Hillsborough and Pinellas, right. significantly more. But when I make a decision, I really would like it to be diocesan-wide. Because what I don't want to do is have one parish open, and then people hear about it, and then everybody's going to that parish because right. all the others aren't permitted to have Mass. Right. I'd like to offer multiple or as many opportunities for people to, to go, and particularly to go to their parish where they don't have to cross county lines or uh, even diocesan lines to, to, to receive the Eucharist or to go to Mass. So. While the bishop could do that, and it might make sense to some people, I'm not sure that that's the right thing to do. What about distributing communion by automobile? I've seen some other dioceses experiment, and even some parish experiment with that. Well, uh, again, that's something we're looking at. And uh, though I would say I'm not particularly in favor of people remaining in their cars to receive the Eucharist if, if that were done, I, I think we would want to probably have them get out of their car, observe spacing with others that were there, and come up in a, something like a communion line to receive. That could be preceded by some type of a prayer service or even mass, which could be viewed by live stream and then the faithful could receive communion afterward. But again, we want to be safe and we want to be smart while also recognizing the spiritual good of our people and their desire to receive the Eucharist. So this is something that's uh, very much on my mind and something we're thinking about. We're trying to be creative with ways that we can, can satisfy uh, all of the different considerations that need to be taken into account. You've seen some of the comments on Facebook, Instagram, so forth about Jesus would never let me get sick if I received the communion, you know, the Eucharist. How do you answer that? Yeah. Well, what I would say is, you know, we we believe in both faith as well as reason or science. Uh, I think either one of those, if it's taken to an extreme, could potentially be dangerous. So, uh, again, we're people of faith. We know God loves us. But the reality is, and the science is, that we know that close contact, the droplets, coughing, sneezing, touching, these can be ways that the virus can be transmitted. So even though it is, yes, the, the body of Christ, I think it would be incorrect to assume that you could not, under any circumstance, contract the virus by receiving the body of Christ. I mean, it, it, the reality is that it could. And we also know that somebody may not even know that they're sick. They could be asymptomatic. And just coming into contact with that person could force or cause somebody else to become ill and hopefully not die, but, but that we know that is a reality. Another difficult decision that you had to make was the announcement that Catholic schools would be closed for the remainder of the school year 2019-2020. Uh, Must have been a difficult choice. Well, it, it sure was because I know uh, our students want to get back. I know our teachers want to get back. And I think our parents, John, want to get their kids sure. back. <laughs> I'm sure they've enjoyed having them at home, but they're probably getting a little bit stir crazy sure. at this point. No, it was a tough decision, but it really followed on the decision made by Governor DeSantis to 
really suspend you know the school for the remainder of the year. So the once the public schools were not going to be coming back for this academic year, we made the decision to follow that guidance. And I think it's the right thing to do. Again, children, though, you know, they say that they're less likely to contract the virus, they can still spread it. And when you have a large number of kids together and then they're going back to their homes, again, that poses a risk of infecting others. And it just doesn't seem prudent or safe to do that. Once we get the green light to start gathering a little bit, will there be graduation ceremonies? No, I I don't think there's going to be public uh, graduations, at least that I'm aware of with our Catholic schools. Uh, What I'm proposing to do and likely will do is have one baccalaureate mass for all the high schools, which would be live streamed. So I would be really addressing all the graduates of our Catholic high schools this year. Normally, I would go to each school or to as many as I was able to go to to celebrate a graduation or a baccalaureate mass. Uh, But this year, again, it just doesn't seem that that's going to be possible. So uh, we're probably looking at a live stream situation. Another live stream situation was the uh, Marian Congress that's scheduled for May 2nd. That was going to be a big gathering at the cathedral. Now we're going to be doing live streaming with that. Share with our listeners a little bit about what that is about so that they can watch. You might remember that uh, two years ago when we celebrated the 50th anniversary of our diocese, one of the ways we celebrated that anniversary was to consecrate our diocese to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, It was a very, very beautiful uh, celebration that we did on a Sunday afternoon at the cathedral. And if you remember, John, the cathedral was packed. In fact, it was one of the largest crowds I I remember seeing at the cathedral since I've been here. And really, in in my reflection and prayer afterward, I I realized that there was a hunger, a desire among the faithful of our diocese to celebrate our our devotion to Mary, our Blessed Mother, and to deepen that relationship. So I made the decision to have an annual Marian Congress. The first one was held last year, and uh, the second one will be this year. But because of the circumstances, uh, we're not able to physically gather for that but we will be able to do it by means of live stream. So there's information uh, that can be found at our website, dosp.org, or through your local parish. So it will be, I think, a morning for the most part. It's not even going to be a full day. But uh, there'll be talks which will be given online. I'll be celebrating a live stream mass that day. And then there'll be, a, again, further talks and discussions that will follow that. A rosary or something? There'll be, a, there'll be a, a kind of what we call an international rosary, which will be recited in several languages. And there will be an opportunity for individuals to do their own personal consecration to our Blessed Mother on that day. Talking about the sacraments, we're in a situation now where there's people that are sick, there's people that, that can't be visited in nursing homes, hospitals, and the church, uh, Christ gave us one of the sacraments, the sacrament of healing. How, how are we doing that now? Well, we're doing it very carefully and very cautiously. And of course, there's regulations from different nursing facilities and hospitals as to whether they'll even allow a priest to come in. I've heard from several priests, and so there's anecdotal evidence that on occasion they will, particularly if it's a grave situation where somebody is imminently going to be passing away. Uh, They will allow the priest with proper precautions you know, mask and gown and gloves and uh, just a quick visit to administer the sacrament. But it's not like it's been under normal circumstances, but we are still hopefully able to give that sacrament to the people that need it. So I've heard it called sacrament of healing, 
holy unction, last rites. Uh, is there a difference or are all they all the same thing? You forgot one. It's also been called extreme unction. Extreme unction. There, there you go. You go. <laughs> For some of <laughs> our uh, more mature listeners <laughs> might remember that. Yeah. That's not a term you hear too much today. No, we, we call it the sacrament of anointing of the sick is how it's referred to today. And uh, as you mentioned, it is one of the seven sacraments of our faith. Uh, which is given to those that are ill. Uh, you don't have to be uh, in danger of death. In fact, we recommend that's probably not the best time to wait to receive the sacrament if you can. Uh, but when you become ill, uh, or if you're suffering with a, a more permanent type of illness, terminal, that you should request the sacrament. And the sacrament brings us uh, primarily spiritual healing, although as I would always tell folks that would receive it, we don't discount the physical effects or healing that may take place as well. We do use oil, the oil of the sick, which is blessed at the Chrism Mass each year. So we just blessed a whole new batch of oil, which has been distributed to our parishes for use by the priests there. And the priest uh, would normally meet with the person. They would say some prayers together, read a little bit of scripture. The priest would lay hands on the person and then would anoint their forehead and their hands with the oil of the sick. So the sacrament brings healing, again, both spiritually, but also in terms of forgiveness of sin. So that is one of the effects of the sacrament. And, you know, it's not just a powerful sacrament for the person who is actually laying there receiving it, but it's for the family, too, I think. Well, it sure is, and it can bring the family great peace in knowing that their loved one has received that sacrament and God's grace at that moment. You know, remember, um, you know, during Jesus's public ministry, so much of his ministry was spent healing those who were sick. And so it seems just very natural that our, our faith today, our priests uh, imitate that healing ministry by celebrating the sacrament with the faithful. Well, as we close up our time together today, would you lead us in a prayer for those that are sick and those that are alone, those who are suffering, that they may find comfort in Christ's presence there with them? God, our Father, we thank you and praise you for your presence in our life. And during this time of crisis, we lift up to you all who are sick or suffering in any way, whether it be physically, emotionally, or spiritually. We ask that you send your holy and healing spirit down upon them, granting them healing and granting them peace of mind and heart. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more with Bishop Parks, including past programs, his social media accounts, and ways to subscribe to this podcast, visit dosp.org bishop. A View from the Top is a production of Spirit FM 90.5 and the Communications Office of the Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is made possible by the annual Pastoral Appeal and listeners like you. Thank you for your support.